One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Scott Needham. I'm an Amazon seller, and today we're going to actually talk about my private label uh, business. We're going to jump in and in a way that I've actually never shared before on the podcast. That's because I have a guest with us, um, Emma Tamir from uh, Marketing by Emma. She is a, uh, a copywriter, you know, a traditional marketer. And um, as we were talking and I was getting to know her better, I was able to make a connection with, with a skill that I've really come to appreciate uh, this last uh, year or two. So many people know that I uh, spend a lot of my time now building out Smart Scout, you know, on the programming side, but um, it's a challenge to like market something online uh, specifically. There's some skills that I just don't have. And one of the best things that I did uh, was about last January, about a year ago, we hired a professional copywriter that came in and just like built out um, our messaging. And I feel so much better with like all the layout of all of our pages. And uh, so it was, it's you know, some of the best uh, money that we spend to really make our site look really good. So with that, like in mind, like I've just really come to look at like uh, the skill of copywriting in a different uh, way. Um, and that's why I was really connecting with what Emma was saying. So Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Scott. I'm really happy to be here and nerd out with you on copy. And I love hearing that story that of the experience that you've had, because I think like one of the things that people don't necessarily consider when they're putting together any piece of marketing, whether it's a really big project like a website or even something smaller like an insert, is a lot of times the focus is on let's make this look nice. And of course, looking nice is essential, but just as important as actually taking a step back and saying, what job does this piece of marketing have to do? And what do I need to do to make this as effective as possible? So that, you know, if it is a postcard, for example, that somebody will want to take the time to look at it, flip it over and take whatever action you're asking them. Or if it's it's a website to really engage with it and make sure that they're maximizing the time that they're spending on site and taking whatever next action you're wanting them to take. And so if you're sort of taking a backwards approach from designing it first and then filling in that copy, then you may actually be limiting the abilities of a really strong marketer to make that uh, as effective as it could be. I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board. And um, like I actually built out a site for a completely different, uh, some conference that, uh, we've been teasing out this idea and I sent it to a copywriter first. I'm like telling them, okay, here's the types of things that we want to say, and here's what we want. And like, that's where we start and then go to the designer. Um, because, uh, I just, you know, after having done this a while, like if you get it right first, then you don't have to like make any edits. And when you see something, um, you know, some, something that you're advertising online, you know, done really well, like you're, you don't have to like redo it. And I, I hate redoing some of our work and certainly I've had to do that, um, on our Amazon product pages. Uh, but, uh, but also, uh, with, with smart scout. So, um, tell me a little bit more about your background. Uh, what brought you into the Amazon space and, uh, 
Yeah. And, and where you're refining your skills now. Yeah. So I've been in the marketing space for over 10 years. I started off doing more traditional copywriting and content marketing for fine dining, for SaaS companies, for health products, just for a whole host of things. And um, my husband, who's also my business partner, Ares, he was friends at the time about probably five and a half, six years ago with a lot of people that were starting to get into the Amazon private label world. And he's like, Emma, I think there's really an opportunity here. There are a lot of people that, you know, they need really strong marketing to actually be able to sell these products effectively. And I was like, what are you talking about? Writing for Amazon? Like I had no idea that there were third-party sellers. I, you know, it was really a whole world that I did not know existed. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty stubborn about saying there's absolutely no way that there's any opportunity. And uh, he was persistent enough and eventually uh, wore me down slash gave me no other choice. (laughs) I was away on a business trip and I came home and he was like, okay, here are all these people that would like to work with Marketing by Emma. And it just like really quickly took off from there. So now we're a team of nine, uh, primarily located in Columbia, Missouri. So right in the middle of the United States. And we love working with brands and really helping them put together a copy for their Amazon listings or their websites or for those other marketing pieces to help them communicate effectively with their dream customers and really get whatever um, action out of the, the person that they're wanting to. So whether it's an add to cart or to learn more or fill out a form, et cetera, et cetera. So um, when you think of like an Amazon uh, product page, you know, it's uh, there, there's a structure to it. There's like, you know, certainly things that you, you have to do and some things you just can't do. It's not like you can like, you know, restructure the layout. Um, what are some of the, you know, the things that you first consider when you're, you know, uh, looking at a product and, and thinking about how to improve it? Yeah. So there's, you know, like you said, there are a lot of rules (laughs) and it's not just about layout. There's rules about what you can and cannot say there. You also have to be very mindful of SEO. Uh, Just the overall structure of a listing isn't something that you have control over. And so then it really becomes about understanding what role each part of a listing plays and understanding what that part's job is to make sure that somebody first and foremost understands the product well. And that's not necessarily considered when you're thinking of getting somebody, you know, desiring your product or really making them eager to buy, but they need to know what it is on a most basic level. And then from there, it's really understanding how you can position that product within the competitive landscape and increase that desire and get them confident that this product is the right product for whatever it is they were searching for. So unlike a lot of other spaces, on Amazon, you have all of your competitors that are sitting right there and they might be trying to advertise on your page and they're all on that search page. You know, So if, if it's your own website, you have a captive audience, it's going to take a lot more effort for them to go find out who to compare you against. But on Amazon, all those other competitors are just waiting in the wings and they're just a really simple click away. And so you need to be even more aware of uh, what 
how you fit into that and being thoughtful about everything from differentiation and what you can do to make yourself stand out to also being able to point out where you may excel, uh, whether it's something specific to the product or even just you as, as a brand. I love that. Um, you're so right about, you know, you, your audiences can see your competitors like right there. And that's kind of a way, one reason why people like shopping on Amazon is, you know, you get to choose the best of the best, you know, and, um, but like the traffic is there. So if you get it right, if you dial it in, um, you know, everyone knows that there's just like an outsized reward for, uh, you know, getting to the top, uh, you know, if you're in the top one, two or three spots for uh, some search terms, like that's where really most of the, the sales go. I know when I buy, like I more and more, am I uh, just a quicker shopper? You know, I, I do a search and then like, one, two, three, see the reviews and I'm done you know, and I'm buying some things. And so uh, for many people, you really want to just get that position. But uh, but for the discerning shoppers, the ones that really make a difference where, you, you know, positioning is very important. Um, so um, you have, uh, you know, years of experience analyzing listings and improving them. Um, we wanted to do something a little bit different on this podcast. We wanted, so I have a private label brand uh, with a few products and we were going to just jump in and instead of being all theoretical and, and talking about, you know, things in general terms, but be very specific. And I told Emma to be, you know, super harsh. Um, <laughs> I won't take it personal because the truth is I didn't build any of these pages. So I can't take it that personal because I'll, <laughs> I'll see it as an opportunity. Um, and so um, I'll even tell the audience, like the products that we're, we're looking at. I, uh, you know, I'm not, not super scared. So let's see. There we go. Sharing the screen. So um, one of our top products is a metronome. Uh, a metronome is, uh, is something that, you know, for musicians that it plays on a beat so they can stay on beat. And um, the metronome that we have is the brand is Tempe and um, uh, has 16,000, uh, sorry, 1600 ratings. Uh, we sell it for about 40 to $50. Um, and it, 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 one reason it does really well, it's not the cheapest metronome, but it, it looks pretty solid. Uh, it's got, um, it's not real wood, but it's got like this, like a uh, fake wood, but like looks good. You would put it on your piano and, um, it would uh, make your piano look better or so it's also a mechanical metronome. It's not an electronic one. So I'm just setting up the stage for our product and sharing my uh, screen with Emma right now. So um, Emma, say whatever you want. We could go through the okay. picture. <laughs> Let's dive in. And that actually that background information was really helpful in helping me to even f find some other things that I want to point out in this. And by the way, I haven't I wasn't given the opportunity to review this and prepare ahead of time. So this is off the cuff. 
my Good. first impressions, but I think those first impressions can be the most helpful because it's yeah. most similar to what a customer is actually going through. So a customer does a search, they don't know about your product and their, their job now is to look at this critically and determine if it meets their needs. Now, some people are coming in, they have no knowledge of a metronome. So they're going to be looking at this from a different perspective compared to somebody who is a really experienced musician. And it's possible that this metronome actually suits both of those types of customers. And so then a real challenge becomes, how can you explain this in a way that's going to make it accessible to people that don't know anything about this, but is going to be sophisticated enough and technical enough so that those people that are more professional musicians that have certain standards that they need to meet and maybe even have a certain terminology that they're looking for, they want to make sure that this, this holds muster and that this is going to be a product that's going to meet their more advanced musical needs. So right off the bat, I always like to start with the title because the title is really the entryway into the listing. So the title, as far as copy goes, is the first thing that people see before they even enter your page. And so you want to make sure that whatever you're putting in your title is going to uh, reinforce to people that what they're searching for is what they're getting because nobody wants to waste time clicking into a product that isn't actually what they searched for. And so on a most basic level, we're achieving that with metronome for musicians, but I do think there are some missed opportunities here and I would want to be. Oh, also absolutely. Doing yeah. I, I totally see that all the, the title right now is just Tempe metronome for musicians. That's yes. it. Right. And so like right off the bat, you're saying that this is a mechanical metronome as opposed to an electronic metronome. And I don't have the keyword research that I've done to back this up. But my gut assumption is, is that there would be some search searches looking specifically for a mechanical metronome. So making sure that you have that clarified, even the appearance. So this is maybe like a, a mahogany or cherry style I don't, I'm not good with wood types. So something similar to that. So we have two options and then we, oh, it says mahogany there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or we have white. So even some of those details are going to be helpful for people when they are looking for the aesthetic side of this. Like maybe some people are buying this. They have a beautiful piano that they got as an heirloom. It sits in their house and makes them feel impressive and they don't even play it. And that metronome is just a way to style it and make it look all the more impressive. Or, you know, maybe it's aspirational and they they say, okay, this year is the year that for the, my resolution, I'm finally going to start playing a metronome. And so it's really important to be thinking about all of those sorts of mental spaces that a customer might be in when they're searching for a product like this and to, to, to consider all of the potential um, questions that they might have or things that they might care about and then figure out at what point they need to know it and how to weave that in. So I would definitely want to do some more robust keyword uh, research for this and figure out some other search terms that we could fit in there, along with even some basic details like um, like the size of this, the the color uh, or finish of it. Um, if it's a you know like I I don't I'm not technically knowledgeable about metronomes. I have used them, but like I don't know if different metronomes have different ranges. So some you know have a, a broader range of speeds or tempos that you can set them at versus others. So that those types of things, 
could potentially be important and interesting. So you want to make sure that you just know what are all those things that people care about. And so you've done all that research and probably by this point, it's more than what you can put into just the title, but all of that is also great to carry into the other parts of, of the product page. So a lot of people when they're searching and, and whether you realize this or not, you have a criteria that you have in the back of your mind and you kind of want to check the boxes before you invest too much time in looking at the product. So for a metronome, I would say that probably the fact that it's mechanical would be really high up on the list. Um, the aesthetic could be very high up on the list. And maybe if there's like an accuracy element there, or if that's immediately understood from the mechanical perspective, but I would imagine even within the mechanical range, there's a spectrum of accuracy that you can achieve. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Um, no, I think you've hit a few things. <clears throat> um, one thing that may also be considered is that uh, this is probably more like a classic style where like now there's metronomes of all shapes and sizes, mm -hmm. but uh, years ago, you know, they were all mechanical. And so this is more, this is traditional. Yeah. Um, and we are styled after a much more expensive metronome, like the $200 range, but we're kind of in the mid range. There are maybe even cheaper models. So we kind of are like in the mid range and we kind of need to stay there. Um, and so we certainly always have to signal quality um, to justify people uh, not just getting the cheapest one. So, yeah. And I think the fact that it is in that traditional style is actually something that really would appeal to a specific type of customer. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we all have this smartphone yeah. that is something that you can probably download an app and have yeah. a metronome app I, on, your, on your phone and like, you know, for a dollar, I mean, maybe more, maybe $10, you know, I don't know. It's not going to be an expensive purchase. So there's something more happening there than simply wanting um, to keep time to play music. Yep. yep. So is it because maybe it's even a parent and they want this to be zero screen time for their children when they're playing and they don't get access to their phone. And so they want to have something that like, even when the phone's not in the room, they can use this for their practicing or someone that just really values the art of music and the way that it can transcend a lot of this technical, um, overly, um, robotic world that we live in, not to get too philosophical. So, yeah, yeah. The most clear thing that I'm grabbing from what you've said thus far is consideration of all the audience types. You know, we, like you said, you've, you've got parents, you got people that are decorating, you have serious musicians, you have people that are aspirational about like, you know, new year, you know, new me, I play music now, you know, you get, you get some of those things. So, and we could probably hit a few of those in the title. Like the title is uh, certainly weak. Um, what are, you know, we, we, uh, 
uh, what more, so all, how do we hit all those audiences? Um, is this in the images or are we going to, you know, do this in the bullet points? So yeah, what's, what's next? We want, we want to use all of those pieces to work together. So it's not an either or. It's not like, okay, well, we put this information in the photos and we put this information in the rest of the listing, but really like, what are those things that we need to drive home and how can we represent them in different ways? So whether it's to help reinforce an idea or that different people are going to naturally want to consume information in a different way, or, you know, there are going to be people that are just they kind of like doing their product research and they are looking really carefully and comparing things and contrasting things. And so there could be a, a, a lot of different um, elements at play here. So I do think it's helpful to then kind of consider the photos, except that it may be most helpful when you're going through your own listing and putting together your photos to actually do those last because you'll have the greatest clarity of what are the most important points that I want to drive home with these images and how can I kind of create a visual summary of ev everything that I've spoken about in the rest of my listing. And so your photos, you want to make sure that you, of course, have really good product images, but also a lot of lifestyle imagery that will help people be able to um, really quickly grasp the key benefits of your products visually, not just uh, not just in the bullet and not just in the A plus content. So using text. So for example, you're scrolling through a few different photos in the middle there that are showing a hand interacting with the metronome on different pieces. And so me as someone that hasn't used a metronome in probably 20 years, I don't know what those pieces are and I don't know what those photos are showing me. But if I had a little bit of text inserted into those images, then it would help me to quickly and easily be able to understand the significance of this photo rather than just sort of looking at it and saying, okay, I don't know. Like I would assume that the picture with the fingers holding the um, like little slidey piece that probably yeah. has a technical term. No, it, it, it certainly like, I know, I know how to use a metronome, um, but if you don't, if you've never used a mechanical one, this would be very confusing. Um, so yeah, what we're seeing is like a little sliding scale on all these numbers. And it'd be obvious to have uh, some text that kind of says like, you know, that actually teaches the, yes. the metronome. Yes. And ideally, how can you present that information in a way that isn't just helping people understand this on a basic level? but also calling out one of your key benefits at the same time. So maybe this one that is showing how to set the metronome's tempo, maybe this is the one that you also somehow do that in a way that reinforces why a mechanical metronome would be superior to an electrical metronome that you have either on your phone or just as a little device by the by the instrument so yeah go ahead uh yeah the first thought is like i mean anything that's mechanical there's a different appreciation yes uh, for just how it feels and that something like physical is happening versus we, we're all accustomed to like 
you know, our smartphone watches, you know, we could see the numbers go, but like, it, it just does have like, does it have any feeling? Whereas when this metronome clicks, like it is a, you know, something is like hitting, banging each other. It's, 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 it's wobbling back and forth with the tempo and the timings. So um, I think, you know, these images, there's certainly more you can do to call out the mechanical uh, component. Right. I mean, that celebration of an analog device is something that a lot of people have really taken to as we've become more and more uh, technological as a society. And you're also, you're talking about these really like tactile experiences of interacting with a product and allowing people to even get excited. Like if there is that vibration or that feeling or something that's maybe even nostalgic for someone that played an instrument when they were a kid and are now getting back into it, or maybe they're passing that love of music down to their child. And so that's sort of part of that whole experience. And so that's kind of getting into the story element. And it's not that you're necessarily, oh, did you I I love what you're saying. I mean, I, I grew up playing violin and piano and just this conversation and like, I've, um, I mean, this is a product that I have, but it's making me like, you know, intrigued to like a mechanical metronome. Like, I think it just would be a more enjoyable, you know, practicing. Like, you you only practice with metronomes. You don't like perform with them. Right. Um, but like, you know, it does inspire me to, you know, to play with this. And I would imagine that sort of one of the things that's inspiring or exciting you is, is because probably it's also generating some feelings or memories um, that you have of engaging with music and your instruments throughout your life. And I think that's one of the things that when people talk about story in marketing, a lot of times that gets interpreted really literally like story is you tell a story about you know how your company came into being or what you're trying to do but story can also sort of function um in more personal and subtle ways if you know how to trigger the right emotions or memories or or experiences of the customer. And so really thinking about those types of details, it doesn't need to be written on the page verbatim. Do you remember when you practiced as a kid and the tick, tick, tick of the vibration on the piano? And, you know, I mean, also maybe for some people like me, that would be like kind of a nightmare memory because I was bad and never practiced piano. (laughs) As were most of us. (laughs) I just... Yeah, and we don't need to get into that uh, topic, but anyway, like you can, so that's sort of maybe that whole undercurrent of a story, but by having a few references to things um, or some really thoughtful call-outs or photos, then you can stimulate all of those ideas and feelings um, in a really impactful way so that, you know, you say this and you're like, oh yeah, now I'm thinking about how I want to like go and play my instruments or whatever. And so if somebody's feeling that when they're looking at a page, that's a pretty powerful impact to be able to have to get someone to click add to cart. 
And you can do that through many subtle ways. And it's not that they're necessarily going to have a really strong visceral response, but you still might be triggering some of those same thoughts and feelings that are going to have then allow you to achieve your overall goal of getting them to buy your product. And so you want to be thoughtful about what that looks like from an aesthetic standpoint. So how you actually style your photos, you want to be thoughtful about how you're also presenting the text. I, I always like to take the approach of how can I combine an important feature with a really powerful benefit in in tandem. So it's not a one or the other, but it's together. How can this, this feature of the product that I have and that I've designed, how can that support this thing that's actually going to connect with the customer on a, a deeper, more emotional level? So we have, like Scott just took us to the last photo on the listing, and it's a picture of a family. The girl is sitting at the piano and it has a review from Heather Ann, mother of two, we couldn't be happier with our purchase. Nothing compares to a template, simply nothing. So that is doing a really great job of creating an emotional response uh, from someone who would be purchasing this for their children. Um, because that's, you know, kind of like, it's not just about the piano, right? Like parents don't treat, teach their kids piano because they want them all to become professional musicians. They teach them piano because it helps them learn about music, which strengthens their mathematical schools, and it teaches them discipline, and it, it teaches them an appreciation of art and all of these skills that are ultimately going to help uh, set a child up for a better future. And so that's actually like a pretty deep, heavy thing to hold in something like a metronome. But all of those motivations are there, even in a relatively simple purchase with this. And so again, if you can find ways of, of connecting around those things, then you are going to be able to have a much stronger uh, response, which is then going to have a higher likelihood of making a sale. Right. So um, let's add on a layer where, you know, uh, you're doing keyword research as well. Uh, so that like we're scoring for SEO, um, how much is that in the back of your mind when you're, um, writing something, are you using like, you know, a, a keyword search tool to, to like help write the listing or do you, would you rather write the, the, the correct listing, um, first and, you know, always speak to those emotions. So neither. <laughs> it's a so we use the we do use tools uh, to conduct the keyword research, and so the way that we do that is we use we conduct the keyword research, and just as important as conducting the research is we also analyze the research, and we're analyzing for things like how competitive are are these terms? Are these terms that are are relevant to this product? Um, are these you know, are, are we considering all the possible ways that somebody could search something that would want to end up on, on a product page like this? So like another, you know, again, these are totally not thought through. So maybe they're completely not relevant, but just in thinking about this, if we're talking about 
a metronome as a metronome, but maybe you could also think, think of it as like an analog product. And then I think like, oh, steampunk aesthetic loves analog devices. And so like, is there a way that you could kind of create a hybrid with that? And maybe there are some search terms that relate to that. Not that this is necessarily fully designed in the steampunk aesthetic, but maybe you could launch a new metronome that is. Uh, you know, again, just like right off the bat. And then you also have more traditional searches. Like I do think that this is something that could be, um, and not every product falls into the giftable uh, world, but I think this is something that could make a nice gift, especially since it's a little bit higher price point. So it's not necessarily something that you'd buy yourself, but if you're looking for a gift for a musician, and so then it wouldn't just be gifts for musicians, but it might be gift for beginner piano player, gift for um, gift for guitar lovers. You know, there could be a whole swath of different um, instrument specific terms that, it, that this would make sense to consider when you're putting together a strategy. And so you could conduct that research, you really analyze the, the findings, and then we select which words to use. And then we build the, the copy around that. And sometimes the words that we've selected, we're like, ah, that, that isn't going to totally fit there. So we'll move that around. So we don't want to ever sacrifice the readability or the marketing quality just for the sake of a keyword, especially because there are other places that you can put a keyword if it's necessary. So if you're choosing a keyword over being able to understand the first bullet point, then that's probably not a great decision to make because you're sacrificing a, a, a strong piece of, of content that could be helping to further the sale for a keyword that just looks like gibberish to right. the customer. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. But you, you know, you want, it sounds like, I mean, there's just like a lot that you have to consider and uh, you know, research does go into this. Okay. So um, let's wrap up the analysis on this metronome um, and uh, outside. So we, we, we criticized the title, like, yeah, we could blow that one up. That is just a, a bad title. Very simple and basic. Is there anything else that you're like, okay, I think we probably would redo, you know, this. Yeah. But yeah. Well, we didn't get to the bullets yet, but the bullets definitely, first of all, right off the bat, they're committing some, uh, no, no's as far as TOS is concerned. So we've got oh, some really? emojis. We've got some emojis there. We've got some um, some all caps, and both of those things are 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 a no go. They're a really easy way to get your listing suspended and not just not particularly worth it. You can do the same thing by um, just having like a title case uh, header and then just offsetting it with a dash, and it's still going to help frame what that bullet is about without violating any of Amazon's rules. So you are seeing uh, listings getting suppressed or taken down off yes. of the copy. Yes. Oh, definitely. Wow. I did. Um, that. Yeah. Cause it's also something that's really easy if a competitor wants to, you know, like they can just be like, Hey, look at them. They're yeah, no, for sure. They're doing these things that they're not supposed to do, but also you, okay, let's kind of like think regardless of Amazon for a moment and look at the emoji usage as, as an example. 
I think most of the time emojis don't actually make sense for the product. And I would say, particularly in a case like this, like when I think emojis, I think younger texting with friends, but also this is a mechanical metronome. So we're like the anti-electronic right now. And emojis are like the ultimate symbol of like, let's not even use words. Let's just communicate with little pictures to express ourselves. And so I would argue that the emojis are really like mismatched with with a product like this. Yeah, Uh, that's, I never thought about it that way. That's, I think, I, I agree. I think you're right. Like, I don't think it's serving um, what what this listing is basically trying to do and who it's talking to. Yeah. Um, it also, my guess is that this, this listing was written a long time ago um, just because like, I don't even know that you'd be able to upload a listing with some of the, like it has satisfaction guarantee to your warranty, free ebook. So like a lot of those things are like, no-go language that you just don't want to use in a listing at all. Um, And that's also why it's so important when you're putting together a listing, don't take the top sellers or your competitors as examples of what you can and cannot do. Amazon is so large that they're not able to, you know, proactively go out and review every single listing and say if it follows the rules or not. And so you really want to make sure that when you are putting a listing together, that you're aware of the do's and don'ts uh, so that you don't just create extra work and headache for yourself because that's uh-huh. not really yeah. going to be a very fun launch. No, I, uh, yeah, we, we hit that on this podcast quite a bit that it's just not worth risking anything. And so I had no idea that, you know, something I've never actually really considered copy with uh, that perspective. And it looks like we need to sharpen some things up. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, I, that is one of our better performing products and safe to say there's some very low hanging fruit. I didn't think it would, it's going to be that easy. I've looked at that page, you know, probably 50 times. And then when you just started saying things, it's like, oh my goodness, like, yeah, this is, um, uh, could use help. Um, what types of uh, performance boosts do people see when, say, like, if we were to refresh that? It really varies on a lot of things in the same way that what the aspirational conversion rate is may differ across categories. So if you're already selling really well and you're in a very competitive niche, you know, maybe you increase your conversion rate by 5%. But if you're already converting 25 or 30%, that's pretty substantial for yeah. your bottom line. Whereas if you're, you know, if your listing is in worse shape, um, and, and you're not in as competitive of a space, then you could achieve really substantial, you know, even tens of percentages of increase of conversion rates through doing these things. And the other thing that you don't necessarily think about right off the bat is it's not, of course, convert, you know, higher conversion rates are awesome. 
but there are other sort of less considered benefits when you're doing this right. So this wouldn't really be an example with the metronome, but could be an example with some other types of products, which is just general comprehension and accuracy of description. So if it's not clear what the product is or who it's for, and then somebody gets it home and they're disappointed by it, that is um, something that a good listing can fix. And so that's helping to both minimize the return rates, but also lower the likelihood of negative customer feedback. So it's something that's kind of like all feeding itself. And it's like, you know, the more that you can get the momentum working in your favor, the better. Uh, because we also know that Amazon's algorithm is factoring things in like the health of your seller account and the, you know, the conversion rate on those terms. And so then if you're able to make sure that there are fewer returns and you're converting those customers that are searching on those, then you're also going to start ranking higher. Yeah. No, totally. Um, yeah, I that makes sense that we know that Amazon, you know, factors in so many things and uh, returns, they hit your bottom line real quick. Uh, so you definitely want to avoid that. And, um, you know, it's, it's okay sometimes on listings to say what it doesn't do. You're like, yes. this isn't for this. Yes. People are so afraid to do that, but why on earth would you want to compel someone to make a sale and to buy something that isn't right for them? So then somebody gets a package, they're excited for that package, right? You know, even when it's the most boring thing, whenever you get a package in the mail, it's still like kind of fun to get it and open it. Maybe that's yeah. just me. But like, you know, so you you're in that state of like, you're pumped for this new thing that you purchased. Maybe it's because it's something really basic you need it in your kitchen or it's a friend treat for yourself or whatever. And you open it up and then either when you're using it or just by looking at it, you discover that it's not what you needed. You're already primed in this emotional state. So if it's not what you needed, that drop in expectations is going to actually lead to a much stronger response than it would be if someone was just at a store and was looking at something and was like, oh no, this isn't right for me. Because also they're going to have to take that extra, even though making returns is way easier on Amazon, it's still an extra trip to, to the drop-off. So as much as it's easy and as much as probably all of us have a habit of even ordering a few things because we're not sure which one is the best uh, and then returning the rest, like there's still, if you can avoid that, that's always better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Emma, um, I certainly appreciate your insights. Uh, I Sheesh, I, I'm embarrassed that like it was so easy to to take apart the listing. You shouldn't um, you shouldn't be embarrassed, Scott. It really being able to look critically at your own things is so hard. I have the same challenges with our own, you know, marketing for ourselves. Like we're yeah. redoing some parts of the website right now, and I'm just like. I don't think, you know, I know my company inside and out and I'm a copywriter by profession and like I should have all the skills to do that. And still like it's challenging for me to do independently. So, yeah, well, um, I we were talking and there's actually, you know, before uh, working with Emma, you, uh, your clients, you offer like a listing analysis so um, we can get you real busy. 
by telling our audience that um, you know that analysis that we just went through, um, uh, you guys do that uh, for free to tell like what can be done uh, better. And so if you're a listener and you've got a few products that you know you are uh, your your well-being is dependent on, you need to um, you need to make them better and uh, outshine against your your competition. So you can reach Emma at marketingbyemma.com and uh, set up a free listing analysis. Do what we just did live for um, one of your products. And, uh, you know, you, you only stand from, to gain from it. You do need fresh eyes, specifically eyes from someone that, you know, you, you heard her thinking about all the many different uh, vantage points that I had never considered. Um, so, yeah. Uh, is, is there anything I, I, I left off, Emma? No, of course. Um, you know, please feel free to reach out, even if you haven't launched yet and you just have questions. We're always happy to have a conversation. And uh, I, I love talking about these things. So you're definitely not, not a bother if you have conversations. And if you're like, also, this is too much trouble. I don't want to worry about it. We can also just take, take that off your plate and, and help you with that, uh, just creating the listing from scratch. Um, awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and for those listeners, um, if you have any questions about copy, you know, hit her up. Um, or even actually, if there's any questions you have for me, um, I always appreciate getting reached out to. It gives me ideas for future podcasts, future ideas that uh, we can continue to talk about. Um, and so that wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and look forward to um, uh, the, the future episodes that we have. So make sure you subscribe. And um, I hope, you know, this, this uh, episode will go live at the beginning of the year. And hopefully, you know, 2022 has fewer headaches than 21 gave most of us. So uh, take care and we'll catch you soon. One, two, three.